The TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Come Across the Airways, a podcast dedicated to a weekly TV show episode of the news, come on with news and opinions on the entertainment industry. I'm Dan Schmidt, your host, and with me is a guy who really is kind of burned out, not supernatural, my co-host. Hey everybody, it's Nico and welcome to Across the Airways. On this week's episode, we will continue our coverage of the spring TV season as we review the season finale of Supernatural, and Bill and I will review Orphan Black, along with our sitcom section including Community and the season finale of Modern Family. But as always, we will also bring you all the TV and entertainment news of the week in the News with Nico section. Yeah, it was kind of slim pickets a little bit on the news this week. We got some interesting and fun stuff. It's kind of off the beaten path that I think you guys will enjoy. Come out, Firefly, Indiana Jones, Fear of the Walking Dead, The Walking Dead spin off. Get a little bit about Heroes Reborn, which could be interesting. So, Nico, why don't you take it away with the news for this week? Indiana Jones-themed bar to open in Downtown Disney. The happiest place on earth is about to get a bit happier. Downtown Disney is adding the best-themed bar to their shopping area. Lock Lindsay's Hangar Bar will be the newest addition to Downtown Disney in Orlando, Florida that will have the theme of everyone's favorite archaeologist. The Indiana Jones-themed bar will open up shop this fall, according to the Tampa Bay Times. The bar will include plenty of mementos from the films, like postcards and posters. And the name itself comes from Dr. Jones' pilot from Raiders of the Lost Ark, and like the name suggests, it will be somewhat plane-themed. Ceiling fans will look like plane propellers and a dry dock steamboat called Reggie, named after Jock's beloved snake, will be used as the back patio. But to make things over the top, specially themed food will bring the whole experience together, like the rolling boulder meatballs. Pure genius. Of course, there will also be cocktails being served, because it is a bar after all. The concept art looks absolutely brilliant, so I am sure this will become an instant hit as soon as it opens up. Make sure to get there early, though, because it only seats 150 at a time, and considering the foot traffic in this location, that is not nearly enough. And disappointingly also, it will only be at Disney World and not here on the West Coast at Disneyland. Fear the Walking Dead will have more human-looking zombies. This summer, AMC will unleash The Walking Dead's first-ever spin-off series, Fear the Walking Dead. With no actual characters in common with the original series, the connective tissue being the shared zombie apocalypse, Fear the Walking Dead will take us out to the West Coast, where we'll follow the intertwined families of Kim Dickens' character Madison and Cliff Curtis's Travis character as they deal with the zombie outbreak in Los Angeles. Walking Dead comic creator Robert Kirkman, who serves as the executive producer on both AMC shows, recently spoke to IGN about Fear the Walking Dead and how he took it on as a Challenge to create something new and vital more than a decade after he created Rick Grimes and the Atlanta Survivors. Fear the Walking Dead will take viewers back to the very start of the Undead outbreak, something that the Walking Dead series sort of skipped over. Quoted as saying, I think the most surprising thing about the show for fans is that we'll be pointing out all the things that we glossed over on the other show. I think having Rick wake up from his coma was certainly a fun dynamic and great way to open the original show, but actually watching civilization crumble around these people and getting to experience them learning how to adapt is in a much faster way and with much more danger and much more uncertainty is going to make this show very different. One thing that this show is going to provide is a very unique experience for all of those that have watched the first five seasons of The Walking Dead. So will the zombies look the same if we're dealing with the very first moments of the chaos? Kirkman mentioned that they'll look markedly different. He was quoted as saying, they're not going to be as decayed. They're not going to be as monstrous, which is going to make the violence in the show and the different things that happen that much more startling. Because we're going to be dealing with a much more human walker. So while there is going to be a tremendous amount of paranoia and psychological trauma, I think there's 
there's not going to be any loss of zombie action or excitement in this show. We'll be bringing in the best of both worlds. For the entire IGN interview, follow the link in the ACC feed and read all of Kirkman's comments about this new show. I am super excited about this spinoff. Greg Grunberg returns for Heroes Reborn. Greg Grunberg will reprise his role as telepathic cop Matt Parkman on Heroes Reborn. According to Entertainment Weekly, he'll have a guest arc in NBC's 13-episode revival of the 2006 superpowers drama, joining fellow Heroes veterans Masioka as Hiro Nakamura, Jack Coleman as Noah Bennett, and Jimmy Jean Lewis as the Haitian. Grunberg's recent credits include Masters of Sex and Criminal Minds, not to mention an undisclosed role in Star Wars The Force Awakens, directed by his childhood friend J.J. Abrams. No plot details have been revealed about Heroes Reborn, which will air Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. The limited-run series also stars everyone's favorite geek super-spy, Zachary Levi. Chris Pratt will play Star-Lord in more than just Guardians of the Galaxy. It seems every time you turn on the TV, you see Chris Pratt these days. Whether it be from trailers for his new Jurassic Park movie, reruns of Parks and Rec, or him on a late-night talk show. Well, you better get used to seeing him because it looks like he will be reprising his role as Star-Lord in more films than just the Guardians of the Galaxy series. Pratt recently sat down with GQ magazine and let the news slip. He said, I'm tied to doing three more, or five more, Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever it is. You know, two more Guardians plus another couple. This is big news because it was widely speculated that the Guardians might make an appearance in the upcoming Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and or Part 2. People assume that because the bad guy in Infinity Wars will be Thanos, and Thanos was in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, it offers a way to bring the series all together. Well, that assumption seems to be more accurate with every new Marvel film release. Besides Infinity Wars, there are a few other Marvel movies he could be making an appearance in. First being Inhumans, which is set to come out in 2019. The Inhumans are a race of superhumans that were created by the Kree. The main bad guy in Guardians of the Galaxy was Ronan, who is a Kree. So this wouldn't be too much of a stretch. The other possibility would be Captain Marvel, which should debut in 2018. Captain Marvel seems to be the most likely out of the two. In the comics, he has a ton of run-ins with the Guardians, and but with all of these films coming out, you never really know what's going to take place. Dan and Nikki, I'm sure, will discuss it in more detail when ATA's new Marvel podcast, Marvelverse, kicks into high gear later this year. Firefly vs. Trading Cards come out in September. The Upper Deck Company, in conjunction with 20th Century Fox Licensing, has announced the September release of Firefly the Verse Trading Cards. The set consists of a 180-card base set featuring original art based on the TV series that will be sold in seven card packs with five to six base cards in each pack. Chase cards include actor autograph cards, one-of-one one artist sketch, cards replicating iconic badges from the series, authentic one-of-one one press plate cards, and subset featuring the ship's characters, locations, and weapons used in the series. The Firefly Verse trading cards will come with 20 seven card packs in every box and 12 boxes per case. Upper Deck is producing three different parallels of the base set with foil, canvas stock, and autograph versions of each card for hardcore collectors to chase. Upper Deck has set a June 26 order cutoff date for the Firefly Verse trading cards, which will ship in retail in September. I definitely want some of these. And that's the news with Nico for this week. All right, so with that, we're going to move into a show that, well, you know how we feel about it. Again, this is going to be the last time. I think we're going to gripe about it. Again, it was better than I thought it would be, but that's not saying much. So let's talk about the Supernatural finale. Again, the reviewing finale of us covering this show, Brother's Keeper. Sam has Castiel convince Crowley to find the three ingredients for the spell necessary to cure Dean of the Mark. Meanwhile, Dean continues to sink deeper under the Mark's influence and contacts a former ally for help. I thought this episode put us in the exact same place where the season started, with Dean going all demon again, based on the way he worked the vampire case, by allowing a fellow hunter to get killed, beating the crap out of Sam later on in the episode. Nico, based on the way Dean acted in this episode, did it make you feel like we had a whole season of this show where things basically went nowhere, since he was the same bloodthirsty maniac pretty much all season? Yeah, almost, Dan. I mean, it's 
seemed that way with a few light or rather realistic traditional Dean episodes that spelled us during this otherwise brutal and demonic Dean season that neither of us were a fan of. It was otherwise pretty much like you said, he started as a demon and ended almost completely succumbing to the Mark's effects. There are a few episodes in there that were decent, but we essentially got back to where we started. As Dean seemed to devolve further and further from himself, I was worried that things were going to go completely off the deep end. Luckily, as I think you'll talk about next, this finale turned out a lot better than I feared and was actually pretty decent compared yeah, to what we've gotten so far. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty decent, but at the same time, it's like, that's not saying much. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not like the end of season four, we're like, holy crap, they're going to the box of the end of season four. Okay, people were just pumped for five. I don't think this episode worked as well. I think the Fallen Angels concept at the end of season eight worked better than this. Yeah. Now, again, as Nico kind of alluded to, despite its repetitiveness, this finale did turn out much better than I think we both thought it would be. But really, I mean, as I said, that's not saying so much. That is not going to get us to review the show next season. We're still going to watch it, but reviewing, I just think we're going to going to keep complaining about it. So it's not worth wasting your guys' time. I think you want an interesting, intriguing discussion instead of us just griping. Although with Dean starting this episode out like a demon, I thought this episode was going to end with his character being killed or departing the show by taking up the deal Death offered him. And then that thought switched that maybe Sam's going to get killed. But then things worked out when Dean chose to kill Death. Even though I'm still scratching my head kind of how we got to this place. Because I don't understand why Dean needed to kill Sam for Death to take him to the place where he wouldn't hurt anybody. Nika, was this confusing to you as well? Kind of, were you scared that the show was going to kind of do something beyond stupid by killing off one of the brothers? Yeah, Dan. As Dean seemed to devolve further and further from himself, as I mentioned earlier, I saw a dark series finale possibility emerge at the end of this episode. Had this series ended here rather than getting renewed, it could have been Sam dead and Dean in a parallel universe or something like that, and that's the way it all ends. That could have been really dark, and I think yes. it would have really frustrated a lot of viewers. I've said the last few weeks that I've completely lost interest in this series, and that had they killed Sam or Dean off again, or this time for good, there really would be no reason for me to watch this series ever again. As it is, it will not be a priority each week next season, and I may DVR them and binge watch them over Christmas and again in the spring at the end of the season. Even with this episode being much better than I feared, it was not enough to excite me for next year. About the only thing that really excited me about Supernatural this week was that Hollywood parody that included just about every major character and actor from this series doing a parody of themselves or guest dancing appearance at the very end. It was definitely better than most of what we saw this season from this series. And if you haven't seen it, I do suggest checking it out on our Facebook page because it is, it's pretty funny. It's a musical. It basically goes through the entire last season and some of the season before, and it's got the actor who played Kevin comes back and plays a different role. And it's really, it's really a pretty good little th video. And it got me somewhat excited for Supernatural this week. So it was pretty good. I, I suggest you guys go and check that out if you are, like me, getting a little bit frustrated with this series. That feels like a uh, breaking the fourth wall repair attempt again. Well, it wasn't uh, anything official from the, the thing. Right. It was just the two Hilly sisters doing their parody stuff. And they just happened to get most of the cast to come and help them out. It was yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah, okay, yeah it was amusing. Uh, yeah, and it's just, I, I, I'm sad the show has got into this point where we're fearing main character deaths mm -hmm. and thinking that they're going to be that stupid that they're going to do that. So that's the one thing about the show that's bugging me is that we've we've got it to this point. Yeah. 
Well, especially with some of the the tweets that came out this week and the whole uh, Jared Padalecki and his depression thing, his battle with depression and, you know, not that he he was, you know, that he's depressed and everything like that. That's not the story. I what I thought it was going to be was that he had slipped into a part of depression or something because he had left the show. I maybe that it was going to be something that they had kept quiet and actually kept quiet. And in the series finale, it comes out that he's leaving the show. You know, that ultimately, as I said, would have been the end of this series completely for me there would have been no point to watch it so i'm glad that that's not the way that it's going and i do hope he gets you know he gets the treatment he needs and you know i have nothing against these these actors i didn't like them in their first appearances on tv for me in gilmore girls and in in smallville between the two but i have absolutely loved them in these these character roles and i'm sad that i'm not excited about this series anymore yeah well again good for all putting that aside it's good that he's okay Mm -hmm. that's i mean that's that's the one thing I know we rip on these shows, good things like that, but we don't wish ill on any of the actors, especially with something personal going on such as that. Yeah, I, mean, I absolutely love problem. these guys. I, I want them to yeah. be successful. I want them to end Supernatural so they can go on and do the next show that they're going to be awesome in, you know? Right. Which, which I think it's time for them to do that. Yeah. Or going to film. I mean, something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's I, like Castle, you know? We were we were talking about it, it might have been better if they had just gone and done a series finale and we would have been happy. And I think what yeah. we would have gotten this season would have been amazing. Amazing. I'm glad that we're going to get a little bit more of Castle, but I'm not looking for 10 seasons of Castle. Yep. I'm hoping that eight is, is where they call it quits. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a good point. I think the CW needs to see the writing on the wall. They're not going to get it with Jared Powell in that situation. I'm glad that from what he said, in an interview, I think Yahoo did it. I think it was Wu that posted it on our webpage. Um, he uh, said that it was something that happened earlier on a couple of years ago when he was working on the show. Cause he's trying to turn it around, could do a positive thing, could use his experience to help other people. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a positive thing to hear. God, if that's what he's going to do, I wish him well for that. I mean, that's, that's a great thing that he's turning it around and trying to turn it into a positive for others. So that was very encouraging to hear that. Yeah, I wish absolutely. Well in that regard. Now, going back to the role of the show, as for the idea of next season villain, known as the darkness, I thought the writers did a decent job of explaining how this threat is the greatest danger the brothers have ever faced. They're saying the darkness was essentially responsible for Lucifer. But this episode showed me several possibilities of how they could screw the pooch with this plotline. As well, with allowing Rowena to survive this episode just so she could act as a villainous face to the darkness. Could I mean, Cass and Crowley kill each other? Because these two characters are probably the most interesting part of the show right now. Could really we should be following their exploits instead of the Winchester? based on the Winchester story becoming so repetitive. Nico, what do you think of the darkness as next season's Big Bad? Can are you see the possibility of the writers screwing up what should be the end-all, be-all evil for the show by killing off the right characters to keep the wrong characters alive? Sort of as I said, Dan, it was not enough to really get me excited. Sure, it nice. is a major step up from Rowena and Crowley this season, but unfortunately, they did not kill Rowena, and there is the chance that either Cass kills Crowley or they kill each other when they return in the fall. If they return in the fall. Well, I mean, they're going to come back in the fall they, they can't just leave it on a cliffhanger like that. We're going to actually see the results of that. Yeah. And then they might only be a guest star in that episode. That's true. Now, the darkness is, as I said, a major step up from this season. But really, what wouldn't have been? Right. But if it took God himself and the archangels to defeat it, what realistic chance do Sam and Dean have? About the only way this story gets good is if it means that God will return in the form of the prophet Chuck, who we had hypothesized was really God in human form. And he helps out. And even that 
that might be too much of a stretch. But it's the only place they could go. Yeah, I, I, I like that idea. The one question I have is, does it make sense for the su- supernatural Winchester brothers to be working directly with God? I mean, we've seen them have this relationship with the prophet Chuck. They hold a special place in God's heart, you know, because he's saved them, brought them back to life, uh, all kinds of different miracles for them. But is it too much of a stretch for them to be working hand in hand with him and then know Chuck's secret that he is, in fact, God? That that seems like a little bit too much for me. It could be good. But every time I've gotten excited in the past few seasons, they've screwed the pooch and made it awful. So I, I don't know. I think I think I'm getting too excited about <laughs> about it. Yeah. So it's going to end up being bad. Well, the thing of it is, I think with Chuck, if he is indeed God, I don't think we will know until the very end. Like, I think I'll be working with them. Uh-huh. Or he may come back. Can they may figure out, oh, he's an angel or something. Can they really, he's more than that. But they don't realize till the very end. Yeah. The other thing is, with this darkness, it may just require both of them going out during the hero's death. And that's how it goes down at the end. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, like, like, I feel like, you know, you could say, go, oh, they went to heaven or they did off, get a better place. You know what I'm saying? With the Winchesters. Yeah, I guess. But, but I feel like, I mean, it's the only way you could go. And then you would end it with their legacy of the God through restarting the battle of letters. Okay. The problem with that is the big character that could have done that and let us really buy it was killed off. Cause that's Charlie. Yeah. Okay. And again, I think we would buy it if it was Felicia Day. Now that she's gone, I don't know. There's not really anything there. Right. That's why I think that was a misstep killing her off. Oh, for sure. So that's the, that's the only problem. But but I mean, I feel like it's the only way you can end it right now. Right now. Because if they go down, take it off this big man. But again, they could screw this all up. Yeah. yeah. We, we've said this time and time again. I mean, I think we've been saying for three years. Restart the battle of letters, fight a big evil, get the show. We haven't gotten there. Not even close. Uh, with the hope that reviewing this show for the past five years, kind of watching it for the past ten years, was worthwhile. Again, the first five seasons were, I don't know where I've been the last couple of years, but the writers need to see the writing on the wall that the darkness is the villain that needs to end the show. Because there's not going to be a bigger threat. I mean, the, the, the audience is not going to buy anything else. I don't even know what you could come up with. I'm really stumped on that opinion, got that idea. Anyway, get really, I mean, this is what's monumentous. Enough to give us the things we want. Get should get from Supernatural before it ends, which is the Winchesters restarting the Battle of Letters, and them joining Crowley leading hell, get Cass leading heaven to defeat the darkness. Nico, is it wrong for me to hold out hope at the scenario I want to see Supernatural ends with? I mean, is that going to happen? Or has it just gotten to a point where I should just give up being hopeful because the writers of the show have just failed us so many times? Yes, it has, Dan. You are just setting yourself up for disappointment. My philosophy with this show is to expect crap and hope that they surprise me from time to time with a gem. If you expect or even hope for them to do something interesting and exciting, like getting the men of letters up and running, training the next generation of hunters, or meeting hunters from around the world, you will be disappointed and begin to despise this show, much like I have begun to. Aim low, and hopefully they can meet your lowered expectations. If you hope for too much, they're just going to disappoint you. This thing should have ended five years ago. Yeah. Should have went out on top, because it yeah, was. Yeah, for sure. It was high-rated, it was great, and now it's just another one of those shows in history that lived to the finish line. Mm-hmm. Great to do. If I had kids, could I like show them the show? I would not tell them that there were five more seasons <laughs> after season five. Yeah. They'll be like, oh yeah, there's worse. They don't, that's the end of the show. It's over after that. Yep. Forget that. I mean, that's really how bad it was. Come get again. I just, it's sad. And again, these actors are great. God, the lead actor, well, the sporting actors, Marcus Shepard, we do love him. Misha Collins is great. Jared Palnucky's great. Justin Apples is great. Yep. So they have the talent. This talent needs to move on to better stuff. Because I just hope it's not, if it's going to start affecting their career because they've been given this crap hole for so long. So I don't know. I wish them the best. The show, maybe Ed, please. Yeah. I mean, really, I think that's where we're going to end our talks about this. Um, really enjoyed doing it with you for a while Nico. No, not so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There were some good episodes in there. There were some good things. There were some great theories that we had. A lot of them didn't pan out because they decided to go different directions, maybe a little bit more repetitive than we were thinking. We thought maybe they
they'd do something new and, and interesting. We didn't get that. It was fun to talk about, though, until they got to the point where it wasn't fun to talk about anymore. It wasn't. And that's, I think, why Dan and I made this decision that this is going to be the last episode that we talk about because it's not fun anymore. And it's not fun for anybody listening to it to just hear us complain. I mean, at least I don't think it's going to be fun for people to do that. So I think it's going to be better that we start talking about other shows, things that are more interesting to us. If you're looking for something that's a little bit sci-fi and a little bit different, the next show we're going to talk about my dad and I talk about Orphan Black you know it's 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 a great show so get caught up on that one and Dan's going to get caught up on that we're going to talk about that next spring when it comes back as yeah. a part of this show so yeah I mean there's a lot of stuff out there there's new shows coming in the fall that might be worth watching so we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff and I think Supernatural it's it's beyond where it's going to be fun to talk about so we're going to drop that and it makes me it makes me Dean Winchester was one of my favorite characters on television yeah and it just makes me sad that we had to come to this point but guess how it's going to and we're going to move on to more positive and exciting things. When we go into Orphan Black, Nico's dad's going to join us to give a little bit of a pick-me-up for the show, so we appreciate him doing that. Okay, we're going to go into the episode, Certain Agony of the Battlefield. Paul digs and finds the ugly truth behind the caster boy's logbook of names, pushing him into action. Meanwhile, Felix is desperate for info on Sarah's whereabouts and presses the still-ailing Rachel for any shred of a lead. In order for Donnie and Allison to take their money-making endeavor to the next level, she must introduce Jason Kellerman to her unique business plan. So, Dad, as we start off every week with that same simple question that might not always have a simple answer, but I think this week it's going to, what was your favorite part of this week's episode? Far and above anything else on the entire episode, my favorite scene was the underwear dance party in Team Hendrix's bedroom. Did you happen to notice that Donnie was wearing glitter during that? Yeah, body glitter on Donnie. Always great. I agree that the Hendrix making it rain and dancing in their underwear on the bed was my favorite scene as well. Although the line of the night probably came from Felix when he said to Scotty, now nut up and lead me to the Cyclops. Up until now, Orphan Black Season 3 had mostly been set up. Compelling set up, to be fair, but the overarching was ultimately vague. But that all changed in this week's episode. Most notably, it was all thanks to one unlikely character, Paul. Believe me, I'm as surprised as you are. We already knew that Paul was wary of Dr. Cody's intentions, as was Mark after his misadventure with Sarah. So it was cool to see these two secretly team up to do some digging around the caster base. And while their search efforts led to the same conclusions we figured out for ourselves last week, mainly that the caster defect could be sexually transmitted, Paul's deductive reasoning led to some huge revelations in the latter half of the episode. Sarah's little delusion slash dream adventure with Beth was a bit out there for me, but it also gave Sarah a new approach to finding answers. Stop asking why, start asking who. This turned out to be very sound advice as Sarah confronted Dr. Cody about Project Caster. Here we learned that Caster and Lita had the same disorder, except it attacked the boys' brains and the women's epithelial tissue. More importantly though, Paul figured out what Cody wanted all along, a biological weapon. But again, as Beth put it to Sarah, the question isn't why is it being made, it's who is it for? And that, I suspect, is what we'll be trying to figure out in the coming episodes. So finally, after my long-winded setup for it, my question for you 
you, Dad, is who do we think ultimately is the bioweapon for? A government, a multinational corporation, a shadow cabal? Who does Dr. Cody work for? Wow, you really set up the conspiracy theory lunacy. I have to believe, though, it is a governmental entity in some sort of format. Remember, Cody said, we're this close to losing our grant. I got to believe it's governmental, but it might be for a secret society inside the government or a cabal, as you call it. Yeah, by the looks of it, that who is the U.S. government? After figuring out that Dr. Cody had the boys keep sexual history logbooks, Paul went to his bosses in Arlington to try and shut the whole thing down. But after alerting him to how much he knew about what Cody was doing with these biological experimentations, the shadowy head honchos in Arlington went on the defense. Because this wasn't just about finding a cure for the defective gene, it became so much more, an attempt to figure out how to weaponize the defect for fighting war. Because of course it is. That is literally the only thing the U.S. government cares about, or at least that's how it feels, especially on TV shows like this. My only question is, if this is the real U.S. government, or a shadow government like I suggested, I think it could easily be a cabal within the government using it for monetary gain and power. Or then again, I could just be watching way too much Blacklist and other conspiracy shows these days. Anyway, this week's episode saw the return of both Delphine and Rachel. I've missed Sarah and Rachel's battles this season as the Cyclops is recuperating and not really the strong antagonist to Sarah she was in the first two seasons. Of course, the biggest reveal of the evening came from Rachel, the realization that she knows Duncan's cipher. Gotta love Scotty for picking up on that in her art therapy. Now, as for Delphine, well, her return this week wasn't as strong as what we got in the premiere. Honestly, it wasn't much of a surprise that she was the one that had been spying on Cosima's date. In fact, it was one of our hypotheses last week. Dad, do you know where Delphine's story arc is going this season? I mean, it's hard to see where it could be going that does not just make her seem like a complete stalker creep. Do we think that Shay is working for Delphine as a new monitor, or is she legit? Also, is Rachel really the key to Dr. Duncan's code in the book, and will she play ball with Cosima and Sarah, or will they have to break the Cyclops out of Lita to get her to help? Wow. First, let's talk about Delphine. I think she's just going to be a monitor and continue to monitor Cosima because I'm thinking Cosima is the only one smart enough around that be able to solve this whole mystery and whole genetic malfunction in the bodies of these people. I think Shay is just another monitor under the employee of Delphine. And why not have a second person keep an eye on her? Because she's too, if she's really that valuable, we got to keep tabs on her and know where she is. As for the art therapy issue, I think Rachel might only have had this key in her subconscious and that somehow the injury broke it free. She seems to be able to write it and doing it in the art therapy only. I think that Felix is going to break Rachel out of the dyad and take her and they'll go on a road trip. Yeah, I like that idea that it's not something she consciously knows, but now because of the injury and now going through rehab, it somehow dislodged this cipher that was somehow programmed into her or she picked up from her adoptive father, Dr. Duncan, at some point. That's a good idea. I'm torn on who I think Shay might be. On the one hand, I think she could be working for Delphine and Lita or the Dyad to keep tabs on Cosima, act as her monitor now that Delphine had to give her up and can't be there with her or for her, and is reporting back to Delphine and Lita slash Dyad. The other possibility is is that she works for someone else and is trying to spy on the dyad through Cosima and figure out her research, what she is, and how she fits into things. That could be the real reason why Shay asked about Sarah, and not just because Cosima might have mentioned it in her sleep. Now as for Rachel, I loved her scene this week. We we loved to hate her in season 1 and 2, and she was the primary adversary to Sarah and the sisterhood, but now, she is so helpless and miserable that we cannot help but feel for her. Sure, she was the epitome of the enemy last season, but she's still one of the sisters, isn't she? Felix went after her 
pretty hard in his best bad cop routine, and all poor Rachel could muster was a get me out of this place, which was both heartbreaking and anxiety-inducing because for the first time, we're actually caring and worried about Rachel. Damn it, Orphan Black, just when we think we don't care about someone, you reel us back in, just like they did with someone else we've never been able to trust, the sometimes lover, sometimes ally, sometimes adversary, Paul, who is now dead. I did not see that coming. Besides sacrificing himself for Sarah and her escape, is there a point to his death? I basically called it while we were watching the episode, but we knew that that guy he met with in Arlington was not a friend. But is he working for the same people as Dr. Cody? And are they the people that want the bioweapon, or are they another threat? I did not see Paul's death. I was really surprised by this, and I was suddenly seeing him turning into a friend for Sarah. I, now, I just think Paul's friend in Arlington is just another government turncoat. I guess we watched too much Blacklist last week, and it might I have this whole thing about secret societies and cabals, but I think that that's what's happening here. And he might have met with, as soon as I saw him meet with this guy, I said, oh, this is not going to turn out well. Make many copies of your data. Don't give it to what all your original material away. We've said that every show we watched last week, it seemed like. Yeah, I think I was screaming while we were watching American Odyssey last week. Make a copy! Make a damn copy! Come on. Yeah, I agree. As I said earlier, that that's what I suspect, basically. What we both said, that he's part of a cabal or some shadow government within the U.S. government. Now, ultimately, Paul's care for the clones as people is what did him in. Both the male clones and the female clones, especially Sarah. After finding Sarah incredibly sick, Paul and Mark, the Prolethean one, also the only good guy clone so far, it seems, decided to salvage as much as they could meaning saving Sarah's life and, and Mark's as well. But even after getting shanked by the caster clone Miller, Paul's mission was clear. He So he took a grenade and blew up Cody's precious experiments. And maybe also her and Rudy. The jury's still out on that one. We're not sure exactly what happened to him. As Dan always says, we didn't see a body, so anything's possible. I think they survived, but much of the science was destroyed, including the infant's remains. So Paul's death signifies a major turn for our beloved clone club. Without a known ally on the inside, the women are going to have to re rely on themselves now more than ever. I'm hoping Mark will be that mole within the Caster Clone Club that helps the Lita clones once he finds out that they are actually trying to help Gracie. I think he may be more willing to work with the Lita clones. Also, I'm glad Helena came back for and found Sarah. I had said I thought she was going to do that, but I wasn't 100% sure. Finally, we'll end as we always do, talking about Team Hendrick. Once again, Allison and Donnie's storyline was tops. Their making it rain celebration, for example, had me laughing out loud, as did their first scene with Jason, the drug dealer, as Donnie rolled up in a brand new car. I was also intrigued by Allison's business plan to open up, or rather take over, a soap store as a front. And while Allison's storyline continues to have nothing to do with the other Lita ladies, I'm, I've am i actually been really loving it. However, I think we will see the rest of the Lita clones and their story will come crashing into Team Hendrix's drug dealing lives once again. So besides the dancing and their underwear scene, which was for both of us our favorites of the episode, what else did you enjoy about Team Hendrix this week? I really thought that the fact that she said bubbles, I don't want to, want to work there. And now she's going to make that her, her new business was really what I thought was great. I think this is going to lead into something and I don't know if what it could possibly be, but it's going to be really good. Yeah, I love Donnie's lines. Cars aren't conspicuous, Allison. They're like everywhere. I hope we get more Donnie and Allison doing ridiculous stuff with money. I have a feeling that everything is going to come crashing down on Team Hendrix in the coming weeks, as we saw Allison having to confess to Felix that they were now drug dealers, and that, that can only mean that with Sarah's return, all the story arcs are going to come crashing into one another, and things are going to get ramped up to 11. This was episode 
episode six, meaning we only have four more episodes left this season. Things need to start moving forward with all the storylines coming together, and I think that all starts next episode. Well, that's all the time we have for this week for Orphan Black. We'll see you next week, Dad. Thanks again for joining us. Now we're going to bring Dan back in, and we're going to talk about the sitcom section, starting off with Community and the episode Modern Espionage. Jeff is drawn into a secret game of paintball happening on campus, and Frankie threatens to expel everyone who plays. You know, Nico, I, I didn't think they had any left in the tank when it came to the paintball concept. This episode completely proved me wrong. Yeah. God, really, this was probably maybe the best paintball episode. First one is outstanding. Then it got kind of old. This one, kind of like, because it had a lot of storyline to it, too. Yeah. It wasn't a survival story. There was a good concept to it. I thought the message at the end fit community perfectly. The return of Starbirds, great stuff. Did not think we'd see him again. And I would say my favorite part was Dean Pelton's Captain America in the elevator scene. Yeah. Get how he accidentally won that fight. He had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> it was great. Yep. So that was fun and a nice throw to uh, Dan Harmon's former writers. God, that was a great shout out to them. So that was cool. God, really enjoyed it. Really diehard stuff. The opening sequence. The only thing is Nathan Fellow should have been the janitor. He should have been Silver Balls. Yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, but again, I think it was too big of a commitment for him to be able to do this episode. So that's fine. And the whole like, Gum Night Shyamalan comedy being instead of Indian Joke was pretty funny. Yeah. As well. So good stuff. So what was your favorite? I mean, there was a ton of just brilliant stuff. I mean, this is probably one of the best of the season, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my favorite comedic moments of this week's community were really everything having to do with the return of paintball to community. Really, it was awesome. They nailed it. I especially loved, as you mentioned, Dean Pelton's Captain America slash Hydra scene with the janitors in the elevator, the return of Starburns, Jeff's over-the-top action moves, and his insane skills taking out all those guys when he wasn't even playing. The fact that everyone in the school, almost everyone, had a paintball gun hidden on them somewhere, and there was so much much good stuff. And once again, Dan, your favorite addition to the season, Keith David, was hysterical. Yes. Having tackled diehard type large scale action films, westerns, and even Star Wars in those previous paintball episodes, this time Community took on a more spy style approach or a James Bond approach, with the Greendale gang getting all fancy and earpiecey on us, and it worked like a charm. Also, Dan, did you catch that all the call signs for the gang at the award ceremony were actors who played Batman? Yes. Love that, especially with the Dean going by the voice of Dietrich Bader. Who voiced him on Batman the Brave of the Bold. Exactly. Not know that. That's a deep call. Yes, and it's kind of cool that Dan Harmon watches that show. Yeah. Finally, the two guest appearances this week were awesome, with the return of Mitch Hurwitz as the Coogler and yes. Kumal Nanjani. I love Kumal Nanjani. He's great. If you're not watching Silicon Valley, go and watch that. And if you ever watched Franklin and Bash, he was great on that series as well. But I think my favorite, absolute favorite thing in that episode was Annie in that dress. Yowie. That was amazing. Anyway, this was the best episode of the season. Probably the best episode in the last three seasons. It was so good. Yes, it was great. It was great for everything. Yep, it was just, wow. Yeah, good the idiot in that dress. Oh, yeah. Well, it's one of the best parts of watching the show, I'll tell you. Got a bonus for people. Yep. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, uh, just fantastic episode, really. I mean, this is a great sixth season of a show. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this, they had everything happen where it could flop. It could really go into a sixth season slump. And they are just rising out of all the setbacks in a amazing fashion. Yeah, the, the, act, the replacement actors they got, Keith David especially, have been fantastic. Yeah, even Paget Brewster, who I know you were skeptical about, Nico, yeah. has kind of come through as well. Yeah, she she has actually been really great as Frankie. I did not like her on Criminal Minds. I did not like her on a couple other series that I've seen. I thought it was her. I think it, now it was probably just the characters that yeah. were not well written. So I I will I will admit when I am wrong about someone and she has been great this season. They've, they've given her great writing. They really mm-hmm. have. We just all 
season's been fantastic. Um, and it's just another example why of how the networks just seem to not get it sometimes. Yeah. My only concern is that because this has been such a successful sixth season, that they're going to attempt to continue with making more community, which normally I would be all about. But I think that's going to be a problem because I think a lot of the actors are going to be moving on to other things. We all already know that Dr. Ken is coming in the fall, so Chang right. will not be there. Abed is in first position on another series. So if that ends up getting picked up for the midseason, he would not be part of community either. There's a chance that we could be down to Jeff, Annie, and Britta as the only original cast. And right. That, cool. That's going to be rough. Yeah. Cool. Keith David can kind of call us afloat a little bit. God, I don't know how much on his own. Then. But if Annie left, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, like Annie and Jeff, it's like, yeah, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been pretty fed up with Britta all season. I think I've made that pretty yeah. apparent in the times we've reviewed it. But yeah, if it, if it, if Annie's gone and, and especially if Jeff is gone, then yeah, this, the show, it could get, it could get bad real quick, but I'm loving this season. Right. Well, the other thing is I think Dan Harmon is capable of pulling off another show. And I think he knows when the time is right to get out. I hope so. I, I have that faith he does. Again, I could be wrong, but, but I'm holding out hope because this season has been so good. I hope he knows when to get out. Again, I'm kind of looking forward to Dr. Ken, by the way, in the fall. It's going to be crazy. Be show. Yeah. But again, that's his element. Mm-hmm. He came out of that being a doctor. So yep. to see his, well, it's really going to be his stand-up come to life on television like, you know, Ray Romano's stand-up came to life or Bill Cosby's or those people. I think it could be fun. I think it could be a good show. And I think it's a it's a good show to pair with Tim Allen. Kind of like the other things they've tried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that, we're going to delve more into the world of ABC with a pretty good finale of Modern Family that surprisingly ended on a cliffhanger. So let's talk about the Modern Family episode that Phil basically stole. American Skyper. The sixth season ends with Alex's graduation party at Jay and Gloria's house, but Phil is stuck in Seattle on a business trip, so he uses the latest in technology to be as close as he can get. Meanwhile, Clara worries about Alex's gift. Jay complains that Gloria's cousin has overstayed his welcome, Mitchell keeps the news of his layoff a secret from Cameron, and a visit from Andy's girlfriend turns Haley's world upside down. Alright, my favorite comedic moment for this week's Modern Family season finale. Was Phil having to use the teller robot to attend Alex's graduation party? Because yes, Big Bang Theory, gay community has done this before. But Phil being in this position made a plot line primarily focusing on Haley's feelings for Andy making her terrified because girlfriend was out for blood. Quite hilarious. In addition to film being used to help Jay locate what he thought was otherwise, what he thought was heroin, otherwise known as horse, which actually turned out to be the ashes of Gloria's actual horse. Also, Luke deserves an honorable mention for a comedic moment by thinking Haley's hair getting lit on fire was a moment to impress Andy's girlfriend by taking his shirt off. However, with all this great comedic gold for our favorite characters on this show, it was rough watching it all end, sort of tragically, with Phil not being able to help Haley get with the guy she fell in love with. But it did its job of getting people talking where they will return in the fall to see if Andy and Haley truly get together. Nico, what were your favorite comedic moments from this week's Modern Family? Guy, did you think this episode was a successful season finale, especially when it came to its cliffhanger? Dan, my favorite comedic moments were Luke trying to impress Andy's girlfriend by taking off his shirt and the look and move that Manny made to tell him that he was an idiot. (laughs) Phil's great comedy with the telepresence robot and Luke's that's super hot if everyone in the Coast Guard looks like that sign me up it's just on the weekends, right? <laughs> the Haley and Andy cliffhanger was actually one of those times recently where they added some drama that I really enjoyed it. The will they or won't they this season has been great, but I fear that the Andy and his girlfriend will get engaged and then Andy will find out about Haley and it will be too late because she will have actually moved on for real and we'll get that whole Ross and Rachel fiasco from friends over the next few seasons. If that's it kind goes. of deeper modern family. I know, but I think that's where it's going. But for Ooh. now, I'm really enjoying it. So we'll see how it goes in the fall when it returns. 
And that was actually a pretty solid finale to finish out this season. I thought yeah, it was pretty it was. good. Yeah, but poor Phil. Oh, my God. The agony of him being caught in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. Yeah, and he's going to he's gonna feel terrible and feel like it was his fault that they didn't get together. I can't take a sad Phil Dumpty. No, no. Like, they got to turn it around to make it funny somehow. Yep. Or twist it. I, I don't want to see. I mean, it would be different for the character, but, but he's so positive anyway that, yeah, it would work. Yeah, yeah. So. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good, and when they come back, it's going to be good. I just hope they don't go down the path where it's she's liked him he's liked her and now neither of them said anything so it's gonna be he'll like her but she won't or she'll be going out with someone else and and then he'll break off his engagement but yeah you know it'll it'll be that sort of going back and forth thing i don't want it to do that i I want it to either be a good happy ending when we start if that makes any sense you know they they, I, i do hope that the cliffhanger ends well and it sets up good story for where we're gonna go this is what i'm gonna say I want to see a legit love interest for Luke come down the road at some point. That would be good. I think that would be hilarious. So that's my hopes, and I hope that this whole situation works out for the best for Phil. And everyone else, too. Sure. Because I like Andy. I like how he's kind of a god. Phil Jr. is pretty funny stuff. Yeah, I really enjoy that. Yeah, the the actors are really funny anyway. But anyway, I think it's time to move on to closing. It's going to be kind of, you know, that time of year where things slow down around here. Michael is going to join us for a little while to pick up on Falling Skies and continue on whatever the heck that starts. And then we will, of course, do our Comic-Con episodes come this July. So you can keep out on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, Nico, why don't you tell everybody what we're doing next week, even though it's not a whole lot. Yeah, on next week's episode, we'll have a News with Nico section with all the TV and entertainment news that's come out in the next week, and we will continue our coverage of the spring TV season as we review an episode of Orphan Black, along with our sitcom section, which for the next few weeks will include the remaining episodes of Community, maybe the last ever, as we mentioned. Do you still have to do the movie? Yeah, <laughs> hopefully the movie too, right? Yeah. Anyway, so join us next week for Orphan Black and Community, and all of that stuff. Also, remember that our entire back catalog is available. If you're just getting caught up on any of the shows we cover, go back and catch Dan and my thoughts on the episode. But for even more reviews and information on all your favorite shows, check out the blogs available at our website at acrosstheairways.com. Now roll that pre-recorded closing. Get at our Across the Airwaves website. You can check out our other podcast shows, including the DC Nation podcast, located at its own website, dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com. Get in the iTunes store, which reviews the TV shows Gotham, The Flash, Garrow, and Constantine. And if you want reviews on Marvel Comics, related TV shows, such as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Gaijin Carter, and the Netflix shows premiering in April. Check out the podcast hosted by Gandhi Mabacht, Nikki Amy, and myself, known as Helicarrier, the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, located at helicarrierpodcast.com, get in the iTunes store. In addition to these programs, check out Thronescast, our podcast hosted by Nico, Nikki, and myself, dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website, thronescast.acrosstheirways.com, or on iTunes. Can you can send us your thoughts on each Game of Thrones episode by emailing us at Thronescast at gmail.com, tweeting us at Thronescast, that's at Thronescast, leaving us a voicemail at 773-809-3363, that's 773-809-3363, or by posting on our Facebook page, located at facebook.com slash Thronescast. Also, you can listen to Across the Airways, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, a Game of Thrones podcast, get a Helicarrier, the Shield podcast, got the mixed internet radio station, code by Jack Stifle, Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, download the podcast box app, and if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our app for the Amazon Marketplace. Because the Windows Marketplace has a regular Windows phone app. Because for how you can contact us to give your own insight on the TV shows we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just to say you like what we're doing, email us at acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at 
crossed airwaves. Again, there's no the on there. It's just across airwaves. Join our circle on Google Plus. Go leave us a voicemail at 773-809-3363. Again, that's 773-809-3363. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies and television events, such as Avengers Age of Ultron, Batman vs. Superman, and Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Cons, and will be a great source to find videos coming out of Comic-Con 2015 this summer. So once again, for our ATA podcast hosts, Nikki, Amy, Andy Mabach, Boo Kim, and Michael J. Petty, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Nico Rustic. And until our next episode, go catch you on the airways. See you guys, and remember, this is the end for our reviews of Supernatural, but this is not the end of ATA and our related shows. So see you guys. Thanks for joining us. I hope you stick with us, because we continue with Community, Got Orphan Black, and if you're not, we'll see you in the fall, get for our Comic-Con episode. See you guys. This is the end. Beautiful friend This is the end My only friend The end Of our elaborate plans The end Of everything that stands The end No safety or surprise Lives, man. We now return to our regularly scheduled program.